This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle coming to you from West Palm. But normally we are live at the seaport brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. And uh, by the way, seaport, very much looking forward to a little studio redesign coming for the Unsportsmanlike crew. I don't know if CC is going to bring anything back from Paris for our studio. Little fake Eiffel Tower maybe in the studio from CC in Paris. What do you think? Maybe. Yeah, it would be fun if he could add a trinket from his travels. But I can't wait to see what the new studio looks like. Yeah. They're, they're undergoing the renovation right now. We've seen some mock-ups. We have some sense of what it's going to I have look. not seen a single mock-up. Oh, well, I don't know if it was a mock-up. I was asked, do you want to see? I think we both were. I, I think I got an email where there was some sort of a picture in it. Well, then they said, no, 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 we actually don't want you guys to see so don't look at that. I think that they want. Oh, maybe to I'm mistaken then. Yeah, well, just maybe don't look at well, it. Well, they sent me see it as a surprise when we get there. Something about the shelves. The shelves. There's going to be some shelves because they were asking about things that I could could put on the shelves or would want to put on the shelves. Got it. Okay. Yep. Well, along with Michelle Smallman, who knows about shelves, I'm Evan Cohen. Here <laughs> that's, on, that's big time reporting right there. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be shelves, guys. There's going to be sh- Michelle Smallman, ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Anyway, uh, we are in West Palm today. ESPN West Palm, brand new studio opening here. Well, it's like a party here early in the morning, which is awesome. Celsius has brought us here, and everybody seems to be showing up for us, which is a very weird thing that, like, people are just here for us early in the morning, which is awesome. So we do thank the team at ESPN West Palm, which also is an invite to anybody else that has grand openings with new studios to invite us, and we uh, will happily travel. Uh, with Nuno, and then not pick him up on the way to the studio and uh, enjoy ourselves here. Can we also talk about the fact that you're, uh, Michelle, what studio are you broadcasting live from? Right now? Yes. ESPN West Palm? No, but specifically, what studio? So I just became aware of this. We are coming to you live. Coming to you live. From the Evan Cohen studio. That's right. This very studio, this beautiful renovated studio with a case full of Celsius behind me is named the Evan Cohen Studio. So for context and background, I spent 20 years working at ESPN West Palm and having an amazing time working here and building my way up, obviously, to be a part of this amazing show that we get to be a part of here on ESPN Radio and on Sportsmanlike. And so, yeah, it was amazing that all of a sudden they surprised me and they put my name on it, which is awesome. Um, A lot of the hosts here, including the midday host Ken Levicka, has said on the air, that it's the Evan Cohen Memorial Studios, which is weird because I'm, I believe I'm alive. You're alive. At least for now. I mean, hopefully for later, I don't too. know. The way the sun's rolling in on this camera shot of yours, looking a little ghostly. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. What do you want me to do? We're, I we're in Florida. The sun is shining. <laughs> I don't control the sun. I'm sorry about that. Um, I don't control the Buffalo Bills play either. What a terrible transition that was. As if I did, <laughs> I would have Josh Allen throw about uh, seven interceptions yesterday. But let's be fair. Let's be fair. Got to own it when you're wrong. I've been wrong, or at least yesterday, about the Buffalo Bills. Yesterday, in a 31-10 victory over the Dallas Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills did what I've asked them to do forever, which is let Josh Allen compliment the team. Don't let Josh Allen be the team. Because he has proven to turn the ball over too many times where if you put the ball in his hands too much, we went through it doesn't work well. We went through the exercise where we had CC break down what happens when it's less than a certain amount of passes versus more than a certain amount of passes. And when CC did the homework and the research and the analysis, as he is phenomenal at that, as we know, that his analysis showed the less Josh Allen threw, the better the Bills were. And yesterday, he threw the ball 15 times, completed seven passes. Yesterday, their defense was dominant. Yesterday, they ran the ball like crazy. 
and James Cook had 200 yards plus from scrimmage. Yesterday, they acted like the team that I thought they should have been acting like the entire time. Northeast, NFC East, old school, cold weather, nasty, Chris Berman style football team. That's what they were yesterday. And that, to me, is a model for success. And this is a team, if they could play that way, and they don't play, you know, air raid, shootout, run and gun style of football, if they played that way, nobody would want to see them in the playoffs. If Smalls, they were to get into the playoffs, which right now they're a nine seed. But it feels like they're coming, no? It feels like the Buffalo Bills are absolutely coming. They have the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Dolphins remaining on their schedule. Based on what we've seen out of them the past four weeks, they're 3-1, and and that one loss only coming to the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a close one, 37-34. Two really impressive wins over the Kansas City Chiefs and now the Dallas Cowboys. Why should we not think that the Buffalo Bills will win out and that they're going to punch their ticket? It, it feels like it's whoa, trending whoa, 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 that way. Whoa. So wait a second. Wait a second. You Here's don't think that they're going to win out? Well, I, I think they I could, but, but you just made an insanely bold statement. You don't think so? A team that right now is 8-6, and six, a team that is not in the nine seed in the AFC, you're telling me flat out, no hiccups. You expect that when the playoffs roll around and the regular season ends, you expect the Buffalo Bills, Michelle Smallman, to be 11-6, and six, win out at the Chargers, home against the Pats at the Dolphins. That's what you're expecting right now. Yeah. So if they go to 11-6, and six, let's play out. We'll do the schedule game here for a second. If they go to 11-6, and six, let's look at the Miami Dolphins. Well, yeah, by the way, the Dolphins are playing the Cowboys and the Ravens before they close out with the— four. Right, but they've, they haven't beaten a, a really impressive opponent, and they're going to be coming off two games that will take a lot out of them, whereas the teams that the Bills are playing are— in states of disrepair, and it feels like they're going to be cruising into that regular season finale versus the Dolphins and have all the momentum in the world where it feels like the Dolphins could potentially be coming off two losses to the Cowboys and the Ravens. So the Bills may have done themselves an even bigger favor by beating the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to be angry Yeah, versus the Dolphins. We're not letting this happen two games in a row. No way. Okay, so let's play this out. You're going to give the Cowboys a win against the Dolphins next week after you've been destroying them for three plus hours today. No, no, no. I'm not destroying. No, no you can give them. them a win. I'm not destroying them. Eh, kind of. You're saying that they're being unfairly criticized, which is hilarious to me because they're not. But yes, I think the Dallas Cowboys will bounce back, and or actually, this, that's a road game, right? It's in Miami. So that makes me pause because they have not been great on the road this season. But I will still say that the Dallas Cowboys will beat the Dolphins. Okay, so that puts them at 10-5 and at the Ravens. The Ravens will beat the Dolphins. 10-6. and That means the last game of the season, I would assume, yeah, what I would assume is for the division. It would have to be because I would think, right? So then you would have Dolphins and Bills. We're on a collision course. (laughs) Yeah, I said it last week. And we all were kind of taken aback, including me, as I was saying it, that it feels like the best path for the Bills to get to the playoffs is by way of winning that division. The Dolphins have obviously been the better team this year, but lost to the Bills. Now, in general, in the AFC right now, if you look at the playoff standings, the Ravens get a great win last night against the Jaguars. They did lose uh, a running back in the process, though, unfortunately for them. 11-3 and this year. The Dolphins are 10-4. and Kansas City beats New England yesterday. Not an impressive win by any stretch of imagination. They were down early. New England made mistakes. 
drop passes left and right again for Kansas City, including by Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift not happy in the suite, <laughs> as well as Kadarius Toney. The Jaguars are one of three teams along with the um, Texans here that um, that you're looking at at eight and six in that division. Or Excuse me. Yeah, uh, two teams, excuse me, that are in that, that division at eight and six. And you look at what's going on after that. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indy, then Houston, then Buffalo. There are a lot of teams that Buffalo would have to surpass to get into that wild card spot, that we may look at that and say their best chance would be winning the division, which you just laid out is very possible. I still always have this assumption that Josh Allen will throw a bad interception and find a way to lose, but based on what we saw yesterday, if that is their MO, that will not happen because they're limiting the plays in which he's throwing wild passes and intelligently, I don't want to say taking the ball out of his hands, but kind of taking the ball out of his hands and saying, we don't need you to do this. We'll let you know when we do. There's no need for you to have to do this right now. Yeah, I guess if you would have told me that the Buffalo Bills were going to beat the Dallas Cowboys in the manner in which they did yesterday prior to the game, I would have assumed that Josh Allen would have been a gunslinger, had the the big throws, and would have found a way to do so without turning the ball over. He did find a way to not turn the ball over, but it wasn't because he was making those big throws. It wasn't that gunslinger mentality. But for them to be able to do that against an opponent like the Dallas Cowboys, who are one of the hottest teams in the NFL with a spectacular defense heading into this game, that's a blueprint that they should apply moving forward. Absolutely. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, you beat the Jaguars last night, and I said to you right now, any team in contention in the AFC – you have the magic wand. You could just eliminate them. They just disappear. You don't ever have to worry about them. Hmm. Who are you eliminating if you're the Ravens right now? Ooh, that's a good question. Any team in contention. Any so team even contention. teams like the Bills and the Hunt. Correct. It feels like the Bills are the answer, but I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. Even though I don't think they're the same version of the Chiefs and their receivers may, may drop them out, of, of making a run for it this year. It's still Pat Mahomes. It's still Andy Reid. It's still that Spags defense. It's still Travis Kelsey. I want no part of that come the playoffs. That's where I would go. But based on the way they're playing, that's the wrong answer. If we're doing it based on the way the team is playing currently and not us playing the trick in our mind of, well, I mean, come on. They're just going to figure out a way. Right. It's the Bills. The Bills over the last two weeks are playing better football than anyone in the league outside of Baltimore, outside of San Francisco. That if you could just eliminate one team based on how they're playing, if you're the, the Baltimore Ravens, it would have to be the Buffalo Bills. They, they have been better over the last couple of weeks than anyone else in the AFC, including Kansas City. And I bet you right now, if you're the Ravens, you are very much rooting for the Dolphins to win that division and not the Bills. I agree. You want the Bills on the outside looking in. You want Cincinnati finding their way in. You want Indy finding their way in. You want Houston finding your way in. You want Jacksonville to stay there after the way in which you beat them last night. You're not going to have a choice about the Kansas City part. They're going to get in, obviously. But I'm telling you right now, they will never admit it. The Baltimore Ravens want no part of the Bills. That's the team you want on the outside looking in, which is a crazy thought that we are sitting here, what, 15 weeks into the NFL season? And the number one team you want to avoid in the postseason is a team that is not actually in the postseason. Think about that. The number one team in, your, in the AFC that you want no part of, that you don't want to play, is a team that is not technically in the playoffs right now in the Buffalo Bills, which is just a remarkable thing. 
We do have Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Philadelphia and Seattle. Kevin Nagandi, Sports Center anchor, diehard Eagles fan, will join us to talk about it next. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This Monday Night Football preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com for more information. Well, we do have the Eagles and the Seahawks tonight. And who better to talk to, Smalls? Along with Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. Here on Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Then the number one Eagles fan out there, Sports Center anchor, college football host, Kevin Nagandi. Now, Kevin, before we get into the game tonight, any truth to the rumor that they have asked you to replace Dom in security for the Eagles or no? <laughs> uh, well, they won't ask me because then I would have been on the field. Uh, Dom actually still showed great restraint in that game against the 49ers. Uh, but. Uh, Dom's a legend, guys. I don't know if you know this, but like locally before, uh, of course, uh, the, the national game and how everybody was all of a sudden alarmed at who's the security guy. They got the Eagles Autism Foundation had like T-shirts printed where you could buy. It. This was before he became a celebrity nationally. But he's really well known in the area. Dom's a good guy. I know he's absolutely beloved in Philadelphia, Kevin. And before we get to the Eagles and the game tonight, I want to have you weigh in on the conversation Evan and I were having. It's more of a debate, really. Oh, no. About, yeah, like he's going to ruin another, me on this. Go about ahead. another team in the NFC East. So after the Dallas Cowboys got absolutely stomped by the Buffalo Bills yesterday, Evan Cohen, my co-host, comes in today, Kevin, and he says, the criticism of the Dallas Cowboys is unfair. Do you agree with that or disagree? Wait, with can that? I add whoa, any whoa, context? Whoa. Can I add any no, context? No, no, no. Well, first off, uh, that's ridiculous uh, for Evan to even say that because I'm sure last week everybody was raving about, oh, this is the team to beat. Oh, they're ready. They're ready to go on the road. They've shown so much maturity. And look how they're going to win the NFC East. I just think that, you know, there's always a balance. And let's not forget, coming in, I'm one of those guys that's a realist and it's always – you know, sometimes I lean a little negative just because where I'm from in Philadelphia, but I've seen some heartbreak. Uh, but I will always say that there's some context here, too, specifically if people are burying the Eagles after that Cowboys week. Cowboys had 10 days off to, to face the Eagles. The Cowboys have been unstoppable at home against the Eagles, and they've been unstoppable all season at home. They're just a completely different team. But if you're going to talk all the talk and say that, hey, we could beat anybody – You've got to show out a little bit against the Bills. It, it's not so much uh, that they lost the game. It's how they lost the game and how they had no life 
whatsoever after the first two scores for the Bills. That, to me, is shocking. So I thought, you know, with all the talk that the Cowboys are feeling after that game and the emotional win against the Eagles, the high that they circled, the same way the Niners circled, you know, after 10 days off getting ready for the Eagles because of the NFC Championship game, they didn't have Brock Purdy, and they had that game ready to go in Philadelphia to prove something. I just thought the, the Cowboys completely fell flat. You can't have a team that talks, of, you know, talks the way they talk and feeling the way the way they were feeling come out in a game like that against Buffalo. Uh, you just no matter what. And I don't even know what Evan's context is. Right. But, I mean, good okay. luck, Evan, defending whatever you're saying after they were dominated. Because that was a 31-3 game, not, not 31-10, because that final touchdown meant nothing. And, and to be fair, and talk with Kevin Nagandi, of course, Sports Center anchor, college football host on ABC here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. Canty back with us in the new year. He's in Paris right now, so he's having more fun than us debating this, even though we love doing this. Um, here's the context. My point is this. If we are going to say that the Dallas Cowboys show us nothing until the postseason, that we need to see it done in the postseason, then winning a big regular season game shouldn't matter and losing a big regular season game shouldn't matter. That's the context. I think your context is pretty crappy. <laughs> because <laughs> To be honest with you, uh, this is an elevated game. Like, yes. Okay, so, so to your point, right, they need to show us something, but show some heart there in Buffalo as well. Like, if they were to lose by 10 points on a, on a touchdown by Josh Allen in the final minute or, or if it was a close game in the fourth quarter, okay, Evan, I, I think you can have some type of argument there. But, like, to be the Cowboys that we know on the road and to fall flat on their face after the, the emotional high that they had at home, I mean, I, I just don't think there's an excuse for it. But I also believe, too, when you look at the schedule makers – the Cowboys got a lot – I mean, listen, after they lost to the Eagles the first time around, if you look at their schedule, they got a lot of breaks to build the confidence, right? And that, that, all, that, that confidence was at an all-time high at home against Philly. And then, again, I, I'll come back to it. I know some people will roll their eyes, but for football players to have an extra, you know, two or three days off goes a heck of a long way. And I'm not making excuses for the Eagles. But they're on the back end of that gauntlet and the way they were playing the teams that they were playing. You know, the Cowboys, you beat the Dolphins, you beat the Chiefs, you beat the Bills in that overtime game. And everybody's on the field. Then you get smashed in the face by the Niners. I mean, the Eagles in that game specifically, the Eagles had a chance to win that game because their offense wasn't stopped. They stopped themselves because of the three fumbles and the drop balls, right? Their defense couldn't slow anybody down. And that's why you're seeing the changes being made this past week and it got leaked out uh, over the weekend. I, I just my concern for the Cowboys, and if I ever had a concern for the Cowboys, <laughs> is they have to go on the road now yep. in in the playoffs. If the Eagles handle their business and win three of four, specifically the final three games, because two of them are against the Giants, and they would have the tiebreaker in the division. If the Eagles were to secure the number two spot, the Cowboys are starting in the playoffs on the road. And right now at three and four and the way they look on the road, that's a, they have not shown anything, specifically that quarterback, specifically that head coach in the playoffs, that they can win with adversity on the road. All fair. I'm not going to fight you. That, that road part is the huge one. Seven and zero at home, three and four on the road. All right, let's get to your team, the Eagles. Here's a spin I think you will like. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually impressed with the Eagles in this regard. I think about the fact that could you imagine if a team like the New York Jets – made a coordinator change in season 
where the defensive coordinator was not fired but demoted and it didn't come out till Sunday of a game week. That actually told me a lot. When they, they demoted Sean Desai, they promoted Matt Patricia to be defensive coordinator, that the Eagles are an extremely well-run, tight-lipped organization that they probably made that change a week ago, and we're just hearing about it now, Kevin. Wow, Evan. That, you, you are twisting this in such a positive way. <laughs> I had to win you back. I, this is amazing because from the Philadelphia perspective, especially what Sirianni said early last week when he was asked immediately in this press conference, are you going to make a change with the, uh, the coaching? He said, absolutely not. And, and then for this days later for it to happen and to leak out, then it, so again, this is the weirdest, and we've said it all season. When they were 10-1, and one, I was like, this is the most uncomfortable and the weirdest 10-1 and one season in the history of the NFL. Now at 10-3, and three, it's still the, the weirdest team because I think 90% of the teams and the fan bases would love to switch positions with Philadelphia fans and these, this Eagles organization, no doubt about it. But it is a little bit alarming for a team that does not panic and never presses the panic button. And you have 10 wins and you're fighting for the number two seed and the, the NFC East. And potentially you can get the number one seed if we see potentially the Niners struggle against the Ravens or Rams at the end of the season, that they could still get the one seed for this to happen. But I think the last three games have been a debacle. And, and this team, if you can't get any pass rush, I don't care who the coordinator is. If you can't get the pass rush, you're going to be in trouble because the back seven is not good. The back seven looks old. Uh, they've never, ever put an investment, a full investment at the linebacker position. That's a philosophical thing in Philadelphia, specifically with this organization. But that back seven with the, the, the DBs, they, they, they lost a, a heck of a lot on the staff. Uh, Denard Wilson was a phenomenal DBs coach. And I know I'm getting uh, you know into the woods. He was a phenomenal DBs coach, and he was let go in the offseason. And that played a huge role when we see how these guys are. And then you don't have Slay in this game matched up against DK. It's a little bit alarming. And I think a lot of people have the bad taste of Matt Patricia in your mouth on how awful he was as an offensive guy last year. And then what the Eagles did to him in that Super Bowl when they beat the Patriots, right? So there's a lot of questions in Philadelphia like, what are we doing? We're not an organization that panics at all. And for this to even happen – let alone be leaked on Sunday by the national reporters, it's a little bit of a pause. But you can write the ship. You can write the ship tonight in Seattle. It just depends on who's the quarterback. Because let me tell you, if Jalen Hurts isn't playing quarterback tonight, if, he's not play, if he does not feel well, uh, then it's like, uh-oh, uh, what are we going to do here? Because I would ideally, guys, ideally – I would like this team I'm, – I'm considering this potentially a loss. I'd like this team to win the final three games, but I'm super concerned in that final game at MetLife because of the turf. Uh, that would be a game I, w- I wish that w- – let's rest some of these guys and relax a little bit. You can't because you know, they've got to win these final three games of the season the way the schedule is shaken out. Well, Kevin, I was going to ask you about Jalen Hurts and your hope for adjustments if he doesn't play. I know that the Eagles have downgraded him to questionable for the game tonight because that sickness he's dealing with worsened overnight. I know, again, he's still hoping to play. He's traveling to Seattle separately from the team because he doesn't want to get anybody else sick. But if he doesn't play, what sort of adjustments do you expect to be made uh, tonight for the Eagles offense? Uh, a lot of short passes, a <laughs> lot of running. Uh, listen, the, the one thing that we saw with the success, Michelle, last year with this team was the identity of the offense and defensive lines. Mm-hmm. 
And the last three weeks, we have not seen any of Well, you could say the whole season. We have not seen the identity of this team and that offensive line dominating anybody. And I know they were a little bit beat up. They're going to be beat up uh, coming into tonight. They, they lose Jurgens at guard. Samalu is going to play. I, my, my concern – no, not, not Samalu. Samalu is no longer on the team. Uh, my concern with this situation is, can we find the identity of the offensive line and the defensive line once again? Because if you can't, then you can't control – the way they're going to play this game. Because if Mariota's playing, I, I know there was a lot of stuff with, you know, Carr's comments about, you know, they got to put uh, Jalen Hurts on the bench. I understand the context of what he was saying, but listen, it just told me that he didn't watch Marcus Mariota in the preseason. I would take Jalen Hurts at 50%, even 40%, that I would take Marcus Mariota at 110%. That's how much of a concern I have for this offense because throwing the ball downfield and staying consistent that's what Jalen Hurts can do specifically. Um, and the threat of running the football, I think there's just a lot of panic if you have Mariota in the pocket. And that is, that is a major concern. And now my fingers are crossed on who's going to be the quarterback for the Seahawks coming into this game. If, it, if it's Drew Locke, then, and then, uh, then if you could breathe a little bit uh, moving forward coming in. Kevin, amazing job. Thank you so much for the time. We'll have you on again in the future. I'll throw out more crazy theories for you to laugh <laughs> hey, at. Thank hey, you. Real yeah. quick, I just want to say this. I haven't talked to you guys since you guys took over the morning show. You guys, along with Canty, are fantastic. I listen to you guys every morning when I take my kids to school or I'm at the bus stop. I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. Again, a great addition to our team. Well, thank you. That Thanks, means Kevin. a lot. We do appreciate it. And thank you so much. And best of luck tonight doing security for uh, the Eagles. <laughs> there, Take care, guys. There is Dom's replacement, Kevin Gandhi, <laughs> who also is Sports Center anchor, of course, and college football on ABC. Great stuff out of him. You know, he's a diehard Eagles fan when he's dropping defensive backs coaches and offensive guards yeah, totally. uh, within the conversation. Coming up, two bold statements from two number one seeds. We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. All right, Smalls, you're dancing. You got to sing it, no? Blow the whistle. Great. Now you say it and you don't sing it, so then we don't have to worry about it. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You want me to wrap it? Yeah, no? Well, hold on. That's Texas, baby. <laughs> That's the only part I can remember. Wow. I don't know all the lyrics. Look out, Nicki Minaj. Here so, comes Smalls. Sorry, too short. 
Um, <laughs> Look out, podcast listeners. Yeah, yeah you're that's right. That's fair. Uh, we are on Sportsmanlike. We are here in West Palm at the brand new ESPN West Palm Studios. Just opening Celsius. Thank you to you for sending us here. And Smalls has an entire fridge of Celsius behind her. So, Smalls, we do have off of Sunday football yesterday a bold, not that bold, but bold takeoff. Okay? Okay. So, here's what I got for you. I got two cuts, and I'm going to play them both. And I'm going to ask you which one you think is a more bold statement and which one you think is closer to being true. Okay? Okay. So the San Francisco 49ers yesterday win like they normally do. They're the best team in the NFL, at least in my personal opinion. I think many people's opinions as well. They beat Arizona 45-29. Brock Purdy throws for four touchdowns in this game. Brock Purdy, per ESPN bet, is now the favorite for the MVP. But Brock Purdy yesterday was campaigning for someone else, his teammate Christian McCaffrey, who has over 20 touchdowns, to be the MVP, dude. I think I think Christian should be MVP. I think I, I really do believe that. You know, he does everything for us. Runs the ball well. Can catch the ball. He does everything. And so, in my eyes, that's an MVP. All right. So not that bold. Other than we don't see non quarterbacks win MVP. 2012, Adrian Peterson, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. was the last time we saw a non quarterback win the MVP. So Brock Purdy is out there saying, I think he should be MVP. Brock Purdy has not felt like the guy that would say, I'm the MVP. That doesn't seem like him, considering most people, when you think about what's the most memorable thing Brock Purdy has said, the answer would be, I don't know, right? Have you thought of, I I have nothing that Brock Purdy has said that is memorable. 14 games for Christian McCaffrey, and I don't mean that in a bad way, I mean that in a good way. Christian McCaffrey, 14 games, 13 rushing touchdowns, 7 receiving touchdowns, so 20 overall. Excuse me, I said over 20. Okay, so that's bold take one, which is not that bold. Bold take two. John Harbaugh, head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, the other number one seed in the NFL, this time number one seed for, of course, in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. They win on Sunday Night Football last night over the Jacksonville Jaguars, convincing 23-7 win. They lose their running back, Keaton Mitchell, which is not a good loss, obviously, for them. Lamar throws for 171 and a touchdown, rushes for 97 yards. John Harbaugh had this to say about Lamar Jackson. Could give Lamar Lamar Jackson our game ball every single game. You know he wouldn't take him. You know he's he, he wouldn't you know have anywhere to put him in his house. You know <laughs> too many game balls. But that's the way he plays. You know that's 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 uh, just I, I think I've said it before. I believe he's the best quarterback in the National Football League. I've said it many times before, and he continues to prove it. He proves me right. Best quarterback in the NFL. Said it before, and he continues to prove me right. Now, by the way, this coming off of an off season where there was a contract dispute between the two, where Lamar kind of did ask to be traded, which was obviously a negotiating ploy because it seemed like the Ravens wanted to wait for someone else to make an offer to Lamar, for someone else to set the market and for them to match. Lamar Jackson on the season, 17 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, five rushing touchdowns, 741 yards rushing. So there's a good chance he finishes with over 4,000 yards passing and over 1,000 yards potentially potentially uh, rushing here. Which one was the bolder statement? Lamar's the best quarterback in the league or CMC is the MVP? I think both of them aren't that bold. You could make an argument for either one. This one's tough for me because I do think that the MVP shouldn't just be a, a default to quarterback. Who, which quarterback is playing the best this season award? And if that's the case, somebody like Christian McCaffrey would obviously be at the top of the discussion. But Lamar Jackson should be right there. We should constantly be talking about how well Lamar is playing this season. He is so incredibly valuable to the Baltimore Ravens. This is a guy who's won the MVP before. He is the main catalyst to their success right now. And I think that they are 
on a collision course to go to the Super Bowl in large part because of Lamar. So because of that, I think even despite Christian McCaffrey having a big game nearly every single week, he's etching his name into the record books. He's doing so many amazing things. I think because of the nature of the MVP award, not because of Christian McCaffrey's performance, that that feels like more of a bold take right now. So here's the issue I have, and it's a small issue, but the issue I have with John Harbaugh's statements, and we are, by the way, 15 minutes north of where Lamar Jackson went to high school, Boynton Beach High School, where we are in Palm Beach County today. So Lamar is right from around here, which impacts nothing relative to the statement other than to tell you that. that. Okay. Um, if you're saying Lamar is playing like the best quarterback in the league, fine. Patrick Mahomes is still here. Like, Patrick Mahomes is default best quarterback in the league. He is Tom Brady, the, the current version of him. At no point during the last 20 years could you actually ever say somebody's better than Tom Brady. You could say somebody's playing better than Tom Brady. You could say somebody's having a better season than Tom Brady. But there is not a quarterback you would have taken over the last 20 years over Tom Brady. Lamar Jackson is awesome. He may win the MVP. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I get why his coach is saying he is. He's his coach. That said, the McCaffrey one is more of a bold statement because you're just not going to vote for a running back for MVP. It's illogical. And I understand what people are saying. Like, hey, look at the Niners. Are you really going to credit Brock Purdy for all that success? My answer is yes, I am. I'm not saying he is better at his job than McCaffrey is at his or better at his job than Debo Samuel is at his. I'm saying that if Brock Purdy wasn't this good at his job, McCaffrey and Samuel and Kittle and Juszczyk and Ayuk couldn't be what they are. Like, you need a quarterback to get them the football in the perfect spots, and that's what he's doing. Brock Purdy, to me, is the MVP so far of the league. Yes, we change opinions every single week on this. Yes, there was a couple of games where they lost without all of their weapons, which would indicate, hey, maybe Brock's not as important. You know what? I don't know that the weapons would be as good without him. And I think he has proven that he is this good right now. I don't think McCaffrey's the MVP. I don't think Lamar is the best quarterback in the league. I think Lamar may be playing like the best quarterback in the league. I think they're both kind of bold. I would say the McCaffrey MVP feels more bold because of the position he plays. And as we look at ESPN bet, the odds to win NFL MVP, Purdy is the favorite, Lamar is in second, then Dak, then Jalen Hurts, then Christian McCaffrey. Josh Allen is now sixth. You do wonder if all of a sudden the Buffalo Bills go on that three-game winning streak to end the season, which are already on a winning streak, but close out with three in a row, where Josh Allen, as crazy as it sounds, is going to be at the end of the season for MVP, because more likely than not, he will lead the league in touchdowns. He will also lead the league in interceptions, I'm sure, though. Also, with the Ravens, I just looked up their remaining schedule to confirm. They have the 49ers on the road. Then they have the Dolphins. Then they have the Steelers to close it out. And we illustrated what Buffalo's path is, which seems a lot more favorable. So not, Yeah, but that could also give Lamar the MVP. I was just going to say, I don't expect the Ravens to really falter down the stretch. So I think that could really punch his ticket to winning MVP Lamar. I don't know if Josh Allen will be able to surpass him. But two really big games, one particularly because the Dolphins really haven't beaten anybody, but still a tough team. So two important games for Lamar's case coming up. It's an excellent point by you because if you bring up the Ravens' schedule as you did, you actually have a path for Lamar to an MVP. Correct. If you win those final three games, you beat San Francisco and you outplay Purdy Monday night football next Monday against the Niners on Christmas night. You then beat the Dolphins, a team that obviously is your biggest challenger right now for the one seed, and you beat the Steelers. Okay, I understand they're not what they once were, but still Pittsburgh-Baltimore rivalry. You then finish the season with seven wins in a row. Yeah, 
there's an argument that Lamar has the MVP in front of him if he's to win out and play really well in those games. Coming up, our unsportsmanlike moment of the day. But first, Smalls has this from O, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, thank you for singing it, because CeCe usually does, and I have a terrible voice. Does your vehicle oh, great. have over 75,000 miles? Get maximum high-mileage engine protection with Syntac, full synthetic high-mileage motor oil formulated for today's engines. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, get five quarts of Syntec high mileage and a MicroGuard select oil filter for just $34.99. Limit supply, see store for details. Ask the professional parts people about all the supplies you need for your next oil change. Try Syntec high mileage exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We survived a terrible, terrible moment in our history. The most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. That was terrible. Was not a great look. I said hello. Hello, hello. I <laughs> say goodbye. Wow. That's it. I'm done. Beautiful. I'm, never, I'm not singing again on this show, which I, nobody is complaining about, by the way. Wow. Evan. Wow. Oh, my God. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman. Evan Cohen with you. CeCe's in Paris, but I think he heard that bad singing. I think that made its way to CeCe in Paris right now. Cece, oh, my God. CeCe is an amazing singer. And yes. I think when we sing as a group, he carries us so much. Uh, and I think his voice is so good. It also gives us a false sense of confidence that oh, we no, can I sing as a group. A good voice, but oh, I can't do it singularly, bad. but um, listening to that back. Yeah. Wow. Evan. <sighs> Boy. All right. Each and every day at this time, we give our unsportsmanlike moments of the day. Some of the funniest, worst, weirdest moments. We have a bunch from over the weekend. Let's kick it off. So the Detroit Pistons have lost 23 games in a row, 23 games in a row, which is just Remarkable. And the Pistons over the weekend played against the Milwaukee Bucks. They lost 146 114. This game was such a blowout that Giannis's kids during the game sat on the bench. Wow. The game was still going on. We'll show it on ESPNU that during the actual game, with less than five minutes to go in the game, Giannis, two of Giannis's children are on the team's bench. With their dad and their uncle, who I guess was probably in the game at that point in Thanasis. But you know you're bad when the opposition's kids could sit on the bench with you. 
That is pathetic. Javante is a Pistons fan. Oh, my God. That's pathetic. All right, next one. Speaking of kids. Okay. Did you see the PNC championship this weekend? The father-son, Charlie Woods, who I now have said, Charlie's Tiger's son. Yes. Charlie is at his age, which I believe is 15, 16, what Tiger has always been and is now but couldn't be forever. Tiger is now real. He's honest. He's who he is. He's like himself. Tiger is unbelievably, comes off unbelievably comfortable in his own skin now. Obviously, there was a long period of time. He would probably admit to it that because of the cameras, because of the spotlight, because of everything that he was supposed to be, couldn't be himself. His son certainly is. Listen to his son and what he had to say post-round in the PNC Father-Son Championship in golf. I mean, I drove the ball really good today. I didn't miss a fairway. We still managed to shoot eight under, so we just suck at putting. <laughs> that summed it up right there. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen. He just like that's what Tiger probably always felt, but in many ways went Belichick on you for all these years. Yeah, he did. And his son is just completely real. And then wasn't there a thing where he threw a chicken? What was it? Chicken finger at him? Or yeah, I believe it was chicken tenders. Tiger was throwing at him to try to get his attention. I love it. I love seeing that. That's that's awesome. All right, how about this for an unsportsmanlike moment of the weekend? A guy dressed up as LeBron James and tried to check himself into a game. <laughs> like, literally, I think it was, was it a high school game or a low-level college game? I don't remember exactly what it was. But a guy, literally, this is Lindenwood against IUPUI. So, it must have been a college game. A guy was dressed up in a full LeBron <laughs> uniform and just tried to check himself into a game. I feel like Pat Costello would do this. You should try this. Pat. Well, what they didn't show is you trying to check yourself in right before that dress as Udonis. So. Yeah, it was very odd. Very odd that I was dressed up like that. But that is an amazing thing to just try to like security. We sit here and wonder about the Connor Stallions thing with Michigan as to how does he end up on a sideline spying yeah. in all the coaches gear. He didn't actually try to check himself in the game. This guy actually tried to check himself in a game in a uniform that looked like a team's uniform. Not necessarily that team's uniform. And shout out to Lindenwood. Shout out to the Lions, St. Louis team. St. You Louis know that school. team? Yeah, of course. Oh, Lindenwood is like a, a sports broadcasting factory. Um, Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, went there. My former co-host, Randy Carricker. There's a whole lineage of, of sports broadcasters that came out of Lindenwood. And people that fake checking into a game. Yeah, I can't and imagine the, the security for the Lindenwood IUPUI game was really going all out for that. Yeah, I don't think Big Dom was there. No, it wasn't the, <laughs> Dom, the guy his band. <laughs> Javante, just let him on a court. Wait a second. Play this out, Javante. So the guy checks in. And he's like, hey, you know, I don't know who he is. He's not on our team, but he should play. What you got to lose? <laughs> That's a good point. Like nobody, nobody knows much about this game. It could have been the highlight of the game. That's, That's a good right. point. You were talking about it because of him. Javante's on to something. They should have just let him actually play. Yeah, why not? That's a good point. All right, next one. I don't know that we have audio or, or video of this, but Jameis Winston Came to the Saints-Giants game yesterday yes. with a briefcase. On the field with a briefcase. Saw it. Oh, no, we do have video. He's walking in. He's borrowing my jean jacket. He's really strutting, too. It, I love the fit. What's in the briefcase? I love the fit. Well, there's nothing, Evan, in the briefcase. Absolutely nothing. He was using it as a metaphor. What's the metaphor for? He told his teammates as he opened the briefcase and there was nothing inside that that's what stands between his team and greatness. Nothing. That can't be real. It's, it's real. I thought you were going to say a briefcase. I was like, that's not very motivational. What? What stands between us and greatness? A briefcase. I, it's a terrible metaphor by Jameis. 
I don't even understand what Pat's saying. I like that better it's, than him eating the W. Don't you think it's better than eating the W? I don't know. I'm just glad the show's I, almost over right now. Because Pat just, I don't know why he... What did he just breaks, say? Uh, like nothing, the briefcase. I don't know, Pat, you ruined it. <laughs> I ruined it? Did you see what Jameis Winston did? He looked ridiculous and he opened an I, empty I was briefcase. trying to say, he opened it up and say, hey, there's nothing here. That Nothing is stopping us from being great. Right. Like, there's that's nothing what that's stopping them from being great, including Jameis Winston. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought Smalls was joking. That's real? Yeah, that's why he brought the briefcase. It was empty inside. It was just a prop briefcase. He wasn't using it to actually carry anything, and he used it as a physical representation of what was standing between his team and greatness. Nothing. Okay, yeah, that's the most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. The backup quarterback cannot be given the inspirational speech, and the backup quarterback cannot be given the inspirational speech with a briefcase as a prop. I don't know. I kind of like that better than you deserting your teammate today in Nuno when you didn't give him a ride to the oh, studio or I, even I, offer the ride. I'm sorry. Were you, didn't not, even offer were you not with me? I'm not the driver. I just assumed the driver is coordinating the travel with all of the teammates. I would have texted him. I would have texted Rob Lorenzo. I would have made sure the whole squad was ready to go. You're putting this back on me. You I, I sat there waiting for you this morning, and you, got, you opened the back seat of the car and said, Uber for Michelle. <laughs> I mean, and that's my fault. I'm the driver. I'm the driver. Wow. And I get blamed for this. That's not worse than what Jameis did. I I honestly thought you all were just joking that this was not, this was a real motivational thing. I mean, I guess they won, right? So does Jameis has to bring, now it's the good luck briefcase for the Saints? Whatever works. Coming up next, Greeny Hembo. I'm telling you. They deserve it today. It's going to be a Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen love fest. I can't fight it off. We are on to Tuesday. Greedy, coming up next. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.